Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It's time now for Why It Matters. And we're going to talk about cryptocurrency. It seemed like a relatively unfamiliar term to many more than a decade ago. But when Bitcoin was first created in 2009, the digital asset space flourished soon after with several other cryptocurrencies introduced to the market. But despite this rapid pace at which crypto is growing, it's still a relatively new asset class prone to volatility. And there's been a lot of dialogue on the need for regulation that's been generating a lot of buzz, clearly showing that the crypto space is taking giant strides towards addressing concerns in this area. So what more can be done on this front? Let's find out now from our guest, Diogo Monica, who is co-founder and president for Anchorage Digital. Diogo, bom dia. How are you? Uh, How's it going? Very good, sir. Let's talk about Anchorage Digital, a digital asset platform and infrastructure provider. You guys deal in holding investment investing in infrastructure for cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency protocols. What are some of the company's achievements so far? How do you serve your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So Anchorage Digital is an interesting company. We are the first and still the only federally chartered bank in the United States that actually does custody and services for cryptocurrencies. We are just over 350 people, uh, over $2 billion in the market cap valuation, series D company with some fantastic investors like KKR, Goldman Sachs, Visa, Henderson Horowitz, et cetera, et cetera. What we do is we actually serve institutions exclusively and we allow them to do custody, we allow them to do trading, staking, lending, and all these other services that institutions really need in a regulated manner to actually participate in the crypto space. So that's at a high level what we do. It must have been quite fascinating to see this burst of growth in the cryptocurrency space. In your opinion, what are some of the pros and cons of this sort of a sudden burst of growth? Yeah, so that's, it's an interesting question. I think crypto suffers from the same types of advantages and drawbacks as the Internet does. One of the beautiful things about the Internet itself is that it's an open protocol and everybody can participate. One of the disadvantages of the Internet is that since everybody can participate, there is also nefarious and bad actors that participate in the Internet itself. And crypto is no exception. So when you have a phenomenon that is based on the Internet, like cryptocurrency, but adds money to it, you get really weird incentives. In fact, what you get is you get the best of the open distribution of the internet and the ability of making internet native money and having all of these bootstrapped uh, protocols and all these different interesting takes on, you know, uh, consumer goods, um, remittances, security tokens, stable coins, all these great innovations. But we also attract uh, nefarious uh, folks and, and people that don't actually have other people's interests in mind, which are obviously the scammers and the spam. Mm-hmm. And whenever you have a lot of publicity around something like cryptocurrencies, you are unfortunately attracting both sides. There's not been found a way of only attracting good people on an open protocol like the internet. So it's interesting that you bring that up. I wonder if it's possible to split it up into different regions like the US, Europe, as well as Asia. And where does Asia stand with regard to the US and Europe? I mean, are we lagging or are we ahead here? Yeah, so it's it's, it's quite interesting. In fact, you can't really split it in those regions. You can, but you'd miss some, some pretty obvious 
differences, especially given that Asia is such a big market. But obviously, the United States is still the place where the majority of crypto development happens, majority of the protocols are developed and created, and really the majority of activity in all forms um, happens. So volume, amounts of the custody, investment amounts, all of that still is very concentrated in the United States. I'll say the United States is at least 50% of the crypto market globally. And then the interesting thing is that in this space, Europe has fallen behind pretty significantly, and Asia in general is actually the next big market. But within Asia, you have places like China, in which cryptocurrency is banned. You have mm. places like India, in which cryptocurrency was banned at some point, is no longer banned, and there's this little bit of back and forth on the regulators. And you have places like Singapore, in which the regulators are very concerned about um, consumer protection, as they should be, but also very concerned about allowing the technology to flourish and supporting the institutions that are actually innovating while filtering out the bad actors. And so it really is, Asia is not one unified set. Uh, there's very different regulatory regimes in Japan than there are in Korea, than there are in Singapore, than there are in India, than there are in China. And there's no unification there. So you definitely have to split Asia and its um, constituent uh, portions to actually be able to reason about cryptocurrency and the cryptocurrency market. What? I mean, point of speculation here. You talk about splitting it up, which I can imagine as well. Does this mean, as we approach this conversation about regulation, would it be easier to look at regulation in the US sector, Europe sector, and then the Asia sector? So in Europe, maybe um, with MICA, which is the actual current draft proposal for regulation at the European level, of cryptocurrencies, that's actually a pretty good progress from the European regulators. This is not coming to law yet. It hasn't actually taken um, uh, taken place, and so it will happen in the next two years. And that regulation is actually a pretty great step forward. That might actually make Europe the place where there's the most clarity in terms of the ability to do cryptocurrency business, the ability to create new protocols, the ability for stablecoins to operate, which is kind of interesting because Europe in general has lagged behind this type of regulation because it's piecemeal. There's many countries that are part of it, but Mike actually is a pretty good step forward if it ends up coming into into effect. The United States is um, a little bit of uh, also an interesting take in which it's not really you, it's one country. There are as many regulators that are actually um, trying and regulating the space. There's at least nine different regulators. There are federal regulators and there are state regulators. There's a little bit of competition between regulators on who's actually going to get to regulate this market. And so even that, there's lots of lack of clarity of where this sits, what type of instrument is a cryptocurrency, what type of instrument is a stable coin, is it a commodity, is it a security, but there's, what is an NFT? All of these elements make the United States, even though it's one country, not actually be very clear, and uh, there is lack of clarity mm. uh, when you kind of like leave things that are basic like Bitcoin, the tax treatment, how Bitcoin is treated. The moment you go to all these other assets and these things, it becomes hard. And then you have other countries, obviously, in Asia, where there's these sets of regulations coming into place. Some of them um, very friendly and pro-business and obviously pro-consumer protection. Uh, some of them, you know, the, the case of China, totally against uh, everything, even though in Hong Kong, you know, a little bit somewhere in between where there's some overtures of trying to bring back the crypto business that has been lost um, over the past uh, couple of years. But we'll see how that actually stands. Could you walk us through the security first approach when it comes to mitigating risks in crypto investing? The crypto is an interesting an interesting asset class because 
crypto actually today means many things. There's 15 things under the crypto umbrella. And there's this other umbrella term called Web3 that even encompasses more. It's somewhat like the next version of the internet. But, but for a moment, talking about how cryptocurrency was created with the initial cryptocurrency being Bitcoin and Bitcoin today being seen as really this digital gold, this um, internet native gold that has a limited supply and can potentially be used as a sovereign resistance money and as an inflation hedge as governments and federal banks around the world keep printing money. If you think about that as the asset class itself, it's very unique because it is a bearer instrument. We are in 2022 and there are now trillions of dollars in these digital private keys in which Bitcoin is backed by. And, and those one way for, for your listeners to think through is Bitcoin is almost as if it's owned by a very long password. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, consumers have a really hard time holding on to their passwords without losing them or forgetting them or doing a password reset. But now imagine that when you forget that password, there is no recovery possible and you just lost your life savings. That is obviously not a good outcome for anyone. And so the space has had to evolve and institutions like Anchorage Digital have come to the space to really allow other institutions to have confidence on how to actually safe keep these crypto assets. That is the most fundamental thing that you have to do in cryptocurrencies is you have to have a place where you keep these assets and they're not vulnerable to hacking and they're also not vulnerable, not just theft, but also lost, just lost the past phrases. That's just the most fundamental basic function of Anchorage as a custodian is ensuring that there's no theft and there's no asset loss. Because without that, without that confidence, can't really build anything else on top of that. That is why this asset class is so unique and why you need a security-first approach whenever you're coming into crypto. And congratulations to you guys uh, expanding in Asia with five new institutional partners. I suppose from here, Diego, where do you see the future of the cryptocurrency market? Well, right now, it's, it's, it's fascinating, which we don't actually know where the cryptocurrency markets are going because we don't actually know how the regulators are going to take this. There's some really good signs, and there's obviously some bad, bad signs. The industry really shot itself in the foot over the next nine months. There were a lot of unforced errors, and the, the, the representatives of crypto, and, and there were a couple of institutions that went bankrupt, that really don't represent crypto as a whole, but have really left a bad aftertaste in the mouth of everybody in the industry and, and really in, in the regulators' eyes. And so there's lots of good actors that the regulators are looking at, and they should be, as um, good examples of what they don't want to happen. And so that will actually mean that the future of cryptocurrency is highly, highly geographically dependent and regulated dependent. So in the United States, for example, we, we do have a couple of bipartisan bills in Congress, bills for cryptocurrencies, bills uh, that are aimed at stablecoin regulation. And it really depends on when these actually go through Congress that we'll actually have more clarity on where cryptocurrency is going to go next. However, this said, these are the times where cryptocurrency enthusiasts really build the best companies. It is when there's no publicity, is when the prices are, um, are down, where the real builders come and the really real builders build. And in fact, we've gone through this five times before in the cryptocurrency um, history, right? All the way for the past 12 years, there have already been five markedly distinct bear markets in cryptocurrency. So it's not really our first rodeo, and it definitely won't be the last time that there's uh, massive volatility in terms of crypto prices. But what I can tell you is that there's a search for product market fit, a search for new types of use cases that resonate with institutions, 
and also obviously resonate with consumers to make sure that the next wave of cryptocurrency adoption and price increase comes also directly tied and associated with utility. I've been speaking with Diogo Monica, who is co-founder and president for Anchorage Digital. I appreciate your time this morning, Diogo. Take care and have a great day. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.